0: Being that over the years dealing with prayer, dealing with spiritual warfare, I had three different messages that were actually planned for today. We don't have enough time to put all three of those messages in a 35-minute sermon. But I really felt that God confirmed some things with me by yesterday. I woke up yesterday morning, and I still was undecided as to what I was going to preach on. So I want everybody's undivided attention and I want you to listen very closely because I really do believe that we are under attack. I believe that the churches are under attack when the music fades and all is slipped away and I simply come longing to be close to him. Lord, bring me back to the heart of worship. But why is it we as churches So I thought, well, I would go ahead and and look into the word and find out what the scriptures have to say about spiritual warfare. And I'm going to put this out, and I want to say again, it's great to have visitors with us and guests with us because you're never a visitor here. You're part of the family of God, and we are blessed to have you. But when do we identify that the church is under attack? We identify when the church is under attack – When you start to see weird things take place. And so weird things happen to be all kinds of things. And and, and the scripture says that Satan will use whatever he can to get a hold of us. I always like to say to people, are you scheming and scamming? Because if you're scheming and scamming, you're not walking in the ways of the Lord. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship. Now, I'm going to make this a little bit personal and we're going to back all the way up into our individual lives. So we start in the life of a teenager and we say to the teenager, they face adversity as peers, as their peers put that pressure upon them in adolescence. Second of all, when you deal with that kind of or that level of peer pressure, then you either yield to it. Or you take a stand against it. See, you either surrender to it or you take a stand against it. Then the next phase that we go into is we in their college life and then we then get married and all of a sudden you're dealing with your spouse. And you're finding out that the dynamic of relationship is so difficult. And in that dynamic of relationships, all of a sudden you're going, why can't we get along any, anymore? Because I want you to know that Satan does not like you two together. He has great joy in separating the family. Many of you saw on the Prayer Warriors page, my wife and I are not always as transparent as this, but you guys know that we are transparent. But let me use a word called vulnerability. She wrote in the Prayer Warriors page last week. She said, please pray for us. Now, was that just a flowery message or was that a serious message? And I hope that you took it serious because... We needed your prayers. Now, I'm going to stand up here because God gets the glory for everything. And even though there's a caged animal that that God has full authority over, it's a lion. And even though he has full authority over that caged animal, God will allow circumstances to take place because we realize That he is all-powerful, all-knowing. He's omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. So now we stop and we have to understand where the enemy is starting to attack us. You're going, where are you going with this, Pastor? In relationships, it's very interesting how all of a sudden I'm irritated with my wife and she's irritated with me. So by the end of the week, I looked at her and I said, we seem to be like at each other's throats this week. We're just short. It wasn't that, you know, I mean, Becky and I are best friends. We work together. We just we love ministering together. We love life together. But. Stinking thinking starts going in. Satan starts to manipulate your thought process. He starts to manipulate everything and then he gets everything distorted. And then it hit me on Saturday morning. I called her up on the phone and I said, I'm going to pray for you as you pray for me. Now, isn't it amazing? As Pastor Joe and I were walking up the back steps, and I'm going to put it to you just like I said it to him. Many of you know that I was raised a Baptist boy. And there is no way, no way Destiny Rescue would have presented their ministry any of the churches that I was an associate of. Why? Why is that? And you know what Joe said to me? He said, you know, preacher, I haven't been. I knew right then. You know why? Because Satan has a stronghold. See, we're not relevant for people anymore. Because we have stood down and said, take authority over me. I'm going to change my outlook on life. I'm going to change the way things are. And it wasn't until Sunday that all of a sudden Becky and I took a deep breath and we were like, whoa, it's different now. We we don't feel like we have this cloud over us. Because for many of you know, is that a subject that you hear often? Child trafficking? No, it is not. And so for me, I knew that and in the midst of the, the great cloud that was going on and everything else that was going on in the storm, I had to realize this was spiritual warfare. When you identify that the caged animal is finally loosened, then you can win victory over it by your prayer life. You have to identify the enemy. We don't go out to battle and say we're just battling because this is, brings us joy. No, we're doing it, one, for protection you know, as I love what Brother Steve said this morning in discipleship class, defensive and offensive. You're out there for the defense part of it, but you're out there for the offense part of it as well. So you have to realize that when we go into battle that who we're fighting against. And what Paul was speaking about is he said we need to be the body in unity and oneness. It is my job as a pastor not to chain that man up but to allow him to fulfill the calling that God has planted within him yeah that's exactly what i want a miserable miserable person nope you got to be here you got to stay here this is what you got to do that is not fulfilling the gifting of evangelism out of first corinthians chapter 12 chapter 12 that paul was speaking of so what we need to do is we need to embrace who we are Whose we are, and then move forward. If you will tear your Bibles with me to First Peter, chapter five, and I'm going to read verses six through ten. Once I identified with who the enemy was, why the attacks were coming, it became much clearer. Now, he loves it when family feud we're not talking the game show we're talking our family when they feud especially when your family and you go to church together he has great joy in that because he loves division so when division starts to take place then all of a sudden he wins victory and the body is no longer what unified right so we're going to go through some of this stuff look at what verse 6 has to say It says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. Isn't that comforting? Just to know that he cares for us. Be sober. You know, I've never been drunk, but I've seen people drunk. And when we use the word sober, it means that we're cognitive of what's going on, right? So it says there, be sober, be vigilant, be watchful, because your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished or are experienced in your brethren that are in the world. And then he says this, but the God of all grace who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish you, confirm you, strengthen you, and then settle you. Isn't that, isn't that just a, a wonderful thought? Because he said no matter what you're going through, at the end of your trials, at the end of your tribulation, at all of the stuff that's going on in your life, through your kids, through your grandkids, through the people at work, through the people in your church, through whatever you're going through, all of a sudden it says, but the God of all grace, the God of all glory, He loves you and He cares for you. But isn't it amazing how Satan doesn't want us to believe that? Because He's a God of grace, a God of mercy, and a God of love. In Ephesians chapter 6, if you will, Turn in your Bible with me to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to go ahead and read verses 10 through 20. Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. You, you know, over the years of preaching, put on the whole armor of God and dealing with spiritual warfare. We put on the helmet, we grab the sword, we put on the we grab this shield, we put on the breastplate of righteousness, feed shop with preparator. We go through all that stuff. And I've done it before where it was a visual that was up here. You remember that, Seth? Okay. And uh, we saw that he became a soldier. But, Pastor, why are you preaching on this again? Because I really do believe that we need to be aware of who the enemy is. You see, in churches across America, there is prosperity gospel. There is a gospel that is being preached that God is love, and in him... It's just, you know, all these wonderful flowers and everything else. No, God hates sin. He loathes sin. And he wants us to turn from our wicked ways and seek his face. And as he said to the children of Israel, then he'll heal us. But we can't turn from the wickedness if we don't identify with the ugly that's out there. So let's go ahead and read together in verse 10 in Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, my brethren. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you will be able to stand against the wiles, the schemes, the scams of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Of the wicked, all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And I love this. And if you don't have this underlined in your Bible or highlighted on your tablet or iPad, whatever you have, underline watching. Watching thereunto with all perseverance. Supplication for all saints, and for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in the bonds, I am an ambassador in chains, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. The following story is told by Leroy Ames about the time when he was serving in the Marines in the South Pacific during World War II. Shortly after we hit the beach, our armored amphibious tank took two artillery shields broadside, or shells broadside. We immediately evacuated our disabled vehicle and darted from hole to hole toward the enemy airstrip, which we were to take. The sergeant began to check on us to make sure that we were okay. He crawled over to me and asked, you all right, Ames? I answered, yes, I'm okay, Sarge. He looked at me and asked, Ames, where's your helmet? I felt the top of my head and answered, must be in the tank, Sarge. Where's your duty belt? Our duty belts were carried ammunition for our rifles, a canteen of water, and a bayonet. Must be in the tank, Sarge. As a matter of fact, Ames, where's your rifle? He looked at me with disgust and pity. Because of our hasty departure from the amphibious tank, I was dressed about the same way that I would be dressed for a game of volleyball. And there I was, hopping from hole to hole and from tree to tree. This story reveals the truth about the modern church. Most Christians have forgotten that the Christian life is not a playground, playground, but a battlefield. And as a result, very few of the Lord's people are armed, equipped, and ready to wage spiritual battle. Whether we ever believe it or not, we are engaged in spiritual warfare. If we are to be successful in our work for our Lord Jesus, then we must be prepared for that battle and be ready to go to war. You see, in this passage, we are given insight into the battle. We are engaged in and into the weapons with which we are to fight this battle. Listen, my friends, we are in the fight for our lives. If we are to do what Scripture says, And we must know how to prepare ourselves for this battle. You see, here Paul reveals some aspects of the battle in which we find ourselves this morning. And I just want to remind you that today that we are involved in the fight of our lives. And we must know how we are to prepare to ourselves to be effective in that fight. Let's ask God to bless the next few minutes together. Father, we love you. And Father, pray that you'll hide me behind the cross. Lord, help me to speak with relevance, with truth. just what has happened in the chain of events in history just over the last few years. When reporting on current events such as Fast and Furious and the Benghazi attack on your American embassy reporters are using the term stand down. When asking who gave the orders to do nothing to help those in peril stand down is a military term and here's what it means. A suspension or relaxation from an alert state or state of readiness. A temporary cessation of offensive actions, a ceasefire or a truce. Our sin-saturated world is now bent on destroying a way of life that has been based upon what? The Word of God. And to a large part, the church has stood down. Our nation's leader in April 2008 said while speaking about Christians, they cling to their guns or religion and have an apathy to people who aren't like them. In April 2009, when speaking at Georgetown University, Obama orders that a monogram symbolizing the name of Jesus be covered while he is making his speech. In May 2009, Obama declines to host services for the National Day of Prayer at the White House, a day established by federal law, October 19, 2010. And Obama deliberately omits the phrase, the creator, when he quotes the Declaration of Independence, something he has done on seven separate occasions. November 2011, Obama, unlike any of his predecessors, purposely avoided any religious reference in his Thanksgiving address. While turning his back upon Christian values, Obama goes out of his way to show preferential treatment to Islam. While not hosting a day of prayer for our nation, Obama hosts a dinner in honor of Ramadan. May 2009. April 2010, Christian leader Franklin Graham is disinvited from the Pentagon's National Day of Prayer event because of complaints of the Muslim or from the Muslim community. Isn't that amazing? I mean, yes, you're going to pass through that years ago. Really? It doesn't matter. What I'm trying to do is give you a timeline of history. Now watch. And I understand that we could continue to keep going on. Not only our nation's leaders, but leaders of churches who are supposed to represent Jesus and preach the word of God are compromising the gospel. Do you understand that Obama has gone to great lengths to speak out in support of building a mosque at Ground Zero, while at the same time he was silent about the efforts of Christian church being denied permission to rebuild there? Here's what I'm trying to say. He was guilty of standing down. He was guilty... Of not building a foundation that this country was built on. One nation under God. One prominent televangelist was asked about the views on salvation on the Larry King show. And I have to just read this because I, I'm, I'm building a platform here. And I know I don't normally point out. I'm not, I'm not one who gets in the pulpit and, and speaks differences on political issues. But I'm going to speak the truth this morning. As this televangelist was on Larry King's show, he was asked if Jewish or Muslim people who do not accept Christ will go to heaven. Here's how he responded You know, I'm very careful about saying who would or wouldn't go to heaven, because I really don't know. When asked if a God defying atheist will go to heaven, he replied, You know what? I'm going to let someone, I'm going to let God be the judge of who goes to heaven and hell. When asked about the sin of homosexuality, he replies rather vaguely, I have thoughts. I just, you know, I don't think that a same-sex marriage is the way God intended it to be, but I also don't think abortion is the best. Okay. I think that there are other, you know, a better way of to live your life. But I'm not going to condemn those people. I tell them all the time our church is open for everybody. Larry King then asks him, You don't call them sinners? His answer, No, I don't. This particular televangelist is guilty of what? Standing down. heart, man believes in a righteousness, and with a mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Oh, how my heart aches. The leadership, the officers that are standing down because they've become so comfortable in the church pew. It truly does break my heart. And I'm in a place in my life where I really believe that we as Christians need to understand what verse 6 of John 14 has to say. When Jesus was speaking, he spoke with authority. And he said, there is only one way. For I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life, and no man can come unto the Father but by me. He says in Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Wake up, church. Stand up. Carry your banner. Make a difference, Christian soldier. John 3.36 says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abided on him. And instead of standing down, we are exhorted in God's word to stand fast and hold Christian traditions. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 15 tells us that the word stand fast means to simply stand firm, to persist, to persevere. It is the picture of a soldier standing fast against an onslaught of an enemy. He doesn't flinch. He doesn't become unstable. And he is never defeated. No matter how great the trial. No matter how great the pressure. No matter how great the temptation. No matter the influence, the offer, the allurement that is made. He will not. Matthew chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, one of my favorite stories. And when I talk to people in regard to spiritual warfare, I, I, I tell them, you know, the greatest example that ever walked the earth, his name was Jesus. And so when we need an answer, we just go to the word of truth, and we open up the word of truth, and we start to speak it. And it says there in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1, and this is a message all in itself, but it says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. When he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward a hunger. And the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up to the holy city, and settleth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. In verse 7, Jesus said unto him, It is not written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And said unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then said Jesus unto him. Now, for many of you, some people don't like the red letter edition. And, uh... They're always like, did Jesus always say those words? But I love how he took authority here in Matthew chapter 4. And he said, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. a picture that's the same way with, with us. Yesterday, I want to say I'm, I'm proud of the Rahab team. Steve, you guys did a great job. Love seeing you on the big screen. Thanks for sharing on Facebook. I love social media for that. You and Jess and Pat, you guys did a great job. Many, you know, even Tad. I know Tad and Marie aren't here today, but Tad ran yesterday as well. But when I look at the people that are running, there's, there's always – It's a race of life for all of us, and temptation comes in all of our ways. They were racing to raise money for Rahab Ministries, helping women to get off the streets of trafficking in Akron, Ohio. The only way that truly they can become free is to do what? addictions it's causing people to steal it's causing people to do things they would never think of doing to feed an addiction that they have there are people that are out there that are kleptomaniacs there are people out there that are habitual liars there are people that are out there that they can't they they just can't live a righteous life oh but they could If they understood the enemy. You see, Jesus gets baptized. He says he's walking in the Spirit. And isn't it amazing, and you've heard me say before, they come out of the baptismal waters to walk in the newness of life, and all of a sudden you go, where'd they go? What happened to those people that got baptized? I haven't seen them walk. I thought they were, it says, you know, to be baptized in the likeness of his death be uh, raised in the likeness of his resurrection, to walk in the newness of life, and I don't see anything new out of it. I'm all confused here. You know Why? Because just like Jesus, the caged animal, came as a roaring lion seeking about who he could devour. Look at the person next to you and say, God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. Isn't it amazing that when Satan gets a a stronghold on your life, we forget just how much he loves us. Then if he loves us so much, then you turn and you tell your spouse, you tell your loved ones, listen, I think Satan has a stronghold on your life. I'm here because I love you. Now, let me teach you how to pray. Speak it with authority. Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. For thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and only him shalt thou serve. You see, Jesus didn't kneel. He didn't stand down. He stood up and he said, get behind me, because I'm going to worship my Father. And he took authority, which brought in victory in his life. You see, when we stand fast in the Lord, it tells us that there's victory ahead. At the end of that run yesterday, you knew you were achieving victory. You had a goal, even though you're exhausted and you think, thinking, can I really do this? I know that would be me in the first five minutes of a run. But for many of you that are runners, you say, man, this is just invigorating. It's wonderful. But we need to realize that we can't stand down. When the temptation to surrender is at its strongest, we find strength to keep going by standing fast in the Lord. We do it by praying. We do it by talking. We do it by walking. We do it by sharing with the Lord all day long. We do it by serving and ministering for the Lord, bearing testimony of Him and meeting the needs of those who are hurting and those who need help. 1 Corinthians sixteen thirteen says, Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous and be strong. He said, Stand fast in the faith. Do not heed, do not listen to false teachers or false doctrine. Do not question the word of truth of Christ and stand against those who mishandle and abuse the word of God. Philippians 1.27 says we are exhorted to stand fast in unity and one spirit with one mind. What that means is one spirit means that all members must be born again by the spirit of Christ. All members must have renewed spirit from the same source, from the same person. They must be committed to the Lord Jesus Christ, and they must all have a heart that is given solely to him. One mind means that all members be set upon the same purpose. They must all be focused upon the purpose of Jesus Christ. Lindsay and Megan, come up here real quick. Now, even though these are my daughters, and even though... I want Megan, you stand here. Lindsay, you stand here. Now, we join hands. Help me out here. And we all say, Red Rover. Red Rover. Are we ready? Red Rover, Red Rover. How's the rest of it go? And then all of a sudden, when you do that, you're joining hands, right? Now spread out. And remember as a kid when you were playing Red Rover, you, you had your hands like this and you're like – have got to prove that I'm a man and I'm only 80 pounds and five foot tall, skinny. And then all of a sudden what happens? He either breaks through the force that you have or you, you hang him up and he's out of the game, right? And it starts to eliminate. You can be seated. Thank you. Good job, ladies. And uh, so we as, a fam- we as a family have a choice, right? We have a choice to stand firm and stand together or we have a choice to Stand down and break the unity. All right, church. Now, do we say to the caged animal, big lion, big lion, come over here? No, we don't usher him our way. But if you have a problem with your brother, then you go to him. Quit gossiping about him. Join hands together, be in unity. See? See? Once you start dealing with offenses, once you start dealing with discontentment, once you start dealing with disharmony, then you start feeling like, okay, there's love. And guess what? Satan no longer has victory over you. I hate confrontation. Matter of fact, raising all four of our daughters, one thing I was was blessed with was that a wife that was the disciplinarian in the home. Is that true? Okay. Okay. Appreciate it. So with that being said, it may I appreciate that about Becky because then, you know, my level of discipline didn't have to be as harsh. But I hate confrontation. I hate it with a passion. But I want us as a family. Sometimes I have to talk to the girls. Hey, girls, don't disrespect your mom like that. Clean up your room. You know what? If we say be home at 11, it doesn't mean 11.01. Don't call me at eleven o'clock and ask to spend the night somewhere. That irritates the fire out of me. <laughs> yep, that's me. Because I want to go to sleep. That's why. And uh, but in the church, it's the same way. Are we going to stand stru- true, strong, and faithful? The church is to stand fast, united. To be in one spirit And in one mind While the world is heading to hell And taking as many as it can with them Who gave the order For the church to stand down While our nation is losing Its freedoms Who gave the order for the church To stand down While heresy is being Proclaimed from pulpits across America Who gave the order For the church While the biblical standard of morality is being stripped from our schools and our laws, who gave the order for the Christian to stand down? I love the old hymn that says, stand up, stand up for Jesus. You soldiers of the cross, lift high his royal banner. It must not suffer loss. From victory unto victory, his army shall he lead till every foe is vanquished, vanquished and Christ is Lord indeed stand up, stand up for Jesus the trumpet call obey forth to the mighty conflict in this his glorious day. ye that are men now serve him against a numbered foes, let courage rise with danger and strength to strength oppose. stand up, stand up for Jesus, stand in his strength alone the arm of flesh will fail you you dare not trust your own. put on the gospel armor and watching. Unto prayer, where it calls the voice of duty, he never wanting there. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, the strife will not be long. This day the noise of battle, the next the victor's song. To him that overcometh the crown of life shall be, he with the king of glory shall reign eternally. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that comforting? As I close, as believers in Jesus Christ, we are engaged in spiritual warfare with unseen wicked forces. To overcome our enemy in the power of the Holy Spirit, we must remain resolute in our confidence in God and determine never to accept defeat. Reaching the gospel, evangelizing, reaching out and embracing somebody, being in unity with your brothers and sisters in the Lord. That's lifting high the royal banner because everybody else outside these walls are watching you, Hope Akron. What's going on there? Is Jesus truly in that place? A story from the Korean War illustrates this attitude. As enemy forces advanced, Baker Company was cut off from the rest of their unit. For several hours, no word was heard. Even though headquarters repeatedly tried to communicate with the missing troops, finally, a faint signal was received. Straining to hear, the corpsman asked, Baker Company, Baker Company, do you read me? This is Baker Company, came the reply. What is your situation? asked the corpsman. The enemy is... To the east of us. The enemy is to the north of us. The enemy is to the west of us. The enemy is to the south of us. Then after a brief pause. The sergeant from Baker Company said with determination. The enemy is not going to get away from us now. Although they were surrounded and outnumbered. He was thinking of victory, not defeat. My friends, we are not fighting for victory this morning. We are fighting from victory. And that makes all the difference in the world. Our commander in chief has already won all the victory for us. All we have to do is get up, dress up in the armor, stand up, and line up, awaiting our marching orders, and he will lead us. victory. Therefore, let us avail ourselves of the tools we have been given and let us learn to stand. We're in the fight for our lives. But you see, the victory belongs to us. Amen? Amen? Leave you with 1 Corinthians 15. I call it a doxology because I think it's a praise. But here's how it reads. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, therefore, my beloved sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Oh, hallelujah. Your labor of love is not in vain. God loves you. You no longer have to stand up. Stand up. Be strong. Embrace it church Do you believe it? Say amen Amen So let us all walk out of this building today Victorious We've won And as we all stand to our feet And we always have a time of reflection and invitation Maybe there's someone in this room this morning Who needs to to give their life over to God Maybe they need to say in their own walk, get behind me, Satan, for thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and only him shalt thou serve. There's nothing that pleases a pastor more than to see you become victorious over your hurt, over your hang-up. Father, we love you as we sing this song. Lord, may we sing it as a song of reflection as we worship you. God, forgive me for standing down when I should stand up. But it doesn't matter how the enemy comes, if it's from the north, from the south, from the east or from the west. Father, today, in our 30 days of prayer, those little people that are in bondage, that are in slavery, that are being abused and taken advantage of, God, right now, I claim victory over them. And Lord, I'm not standing down. I'm standing up. And I'm fighting the good fight of the thing. As Paul said I'm staying on course and God I'm going to finish well Lord help all of us to finish well forgive us of our sins cleanse us of our unrighteousness and your holiness